0: Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. My name is Jonathan, and we have a very special guest on the line with us. We actually have Barbara Steffens. And so, Barbara, welcome to our program.
1: No, Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to
0: this. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And I don't even want to do anything else but dive right in because I think uh, some things that that we want you to be able to speak into are things that you've spoken into for a while now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'd first like you to just kind of introduce yourself to our audience so that they can kind of know who you are, uh, sort of where you're coming from into this conversation of trying to help. Um, In this conversation, I really want us to focus on the idea of how um, the betraying partner can actually be of assistance (laughs) to the betrayed spouse, which is a delicate conversation, I'm sure. But why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and then we'll, we'll dive in.
1: Okay. Well, um, trying to think what you want to know. I'm a wife, a mom, a grandma. Um, I, let's see, I come to this work. I, I tell people it's not a specialty I chose, but one that chose me. Um, so... I'm a mental health counselor in Ohio, so it's a licensed professional clinical counselor. I've been doing counseling-related work for, oh gosh, I don't know how long. I just retired from my clinical practice this year. Um, But I got my doctorate in 2005, and part of the fun part of doing a doctorate is getting to do research. And so it's my research that really propelled me more full-time into this issue of betrayal and trauma and partners. Mm-hmm. So my, my dissertation research was on, you know, how much trauma is there trauma experienced by partners of sex addicts upon finding out about their loved one's secrets. And I knew I would find some and I found uh, 70% of the women in my small study met all the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder mm in direct response to finding out about the secrets. I found a lot of other stuff, but that's the one that really has kind of started to change. And, and I think that changes really occurred in our field where partners are no longer automatically thought of as codependent or even the word they don't like, co-addicted, um, to really being people that are suffering from trauma-related symptoms, just like anyone else that had any other kind of traumatic shock in their life. So out of that, I had the pleasure of co-authoring a book with Marcia Means called Your Sexually Addicted Spouse, and that was released in 2009. And that's when really the whole field started to change because betrayed women started to read that book mm-hmm. and then started to really demand a change in how uh, clinicians, their uh, faith community, um, respond to them and assist them. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, I was part of a core group of people that founded an organization called the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, or APSATS. And I served as the founding president, and I just retired from that role in um, February of 2019. So, okay. so, yeah, so APSATS has trained people from all over the United States, Canada, and other countries across the world. Mm. So, That's great. So yeah, we're making a lot of difference.
0: Well, I just have to say, um, uh, I have to, I have to say that not all personalities are created equal. Because when you said you were getting jazzed about doing research, I thought, okay, we are not the same <laughs> personality. It, it, it was not
1: the stats part of it. It was the, I really believe God gave me a call to do this research. Yeah, and to show what I knew to be true both in my clinical experience, what I was hearing from the women I started to work with. Um, So yeah, it wasn't about the process of doing all the, the statistics and everything, but it was about the prospect of helping them make change.
0: And the reality is, those of us out here who want to uh, communicate effectively and accurately, we rely on researchers oh, yeah. to to yeah. to be able to say what's actually going on. Because um, yeah. and and so I'm grateful for. And there's so much more research that's coming out even now mm-hmm. that is really good. But let's talk about this. Um, uh, the reality that okay, when we're dealing with a couple that has has this brokenness in it, has this betrayal, and I'm going to go. Uh, I know there is, there are all kinds of um, scenarios and situations for every couple, but if we could operate maybe on a bell curve where we're looking at kind of maybe the typical, mm-hmm. the husband is the betrayer and the wife is the one who's betrayed. I know there are other, yeah. um, you know, scenarios of that, but in terms of what we deal with our in our ministry, with that's the bell curve, that's the 80%. Mm-hmm. Um, So I just want to say that so that kind of guides our conversation maybe as we're moving forward because I don't, not to say that some of the principles you're going to say aren't going to apply the other direction, but um, I'd love to talk about, you had put in some notes that you'd sent to me these gifts that the betrayed partner really wants and probably needs from the one who has done the betrayal. Can Can you set us up for talking about these gifts of honesty, humility, and understanding the pain. Um, Where would you start a couple, or where would you start out with a a wife maybe even dealing with this, or even also the husband?
1: Well, I think that we have to start with understanding the level of shock that occurs in this type of betrayal. And how disorienting it can be for the betrayed spouse Um, they're in a relationship and again if we're talking bell curve in my research most people were married about 15 years at about the Mm. time Mm -hmm. of first discovery so think of 15 years of living with someone loving someone having children perhaps with someone Blending families in terms of extended family and then all of a sudden finding out that there's a whole piece of the life of someone that they really love they knew nothing about and Most often that's a piece of the life that if the wife knew she would not like And so Mm -hmm. there was you know great lengths to hide it So this this disorientation happens when discovery occurs and what they thought was real now is shaken and so not only the relationship, the part of the relationship, this person that I thought that I knew is, is someone that I don't recognize now. So I think that's where you have to start, that it's, it's not coming from wanting to get even, wanting to um, be angry. Most, most of my partners that I have worked with um, feel like they're having almost an out-of-body experience in terms yeah. of the extremes of emotions and reactions that they have. So so if you start there, go ahead. No,
2: go ahead. Go ahead.
1: If you start there, then you under it's easier to understand why for partners they're not going to believe their loved one when he says, I am so sorry, I'm never ever gonna do this again. I promise. Right. And it really isn't as bad as you think it is. So those kinds of things. So what a partner is really longing for is for their loved one to fully understand the kind of disorientation and devastation that the partner feels.
0: And one of the things, so uh, we do these three-day intensives for men and Mm -hmm. about 85% of the guys that come through that are married men. And one of the things that we will always say to these married guys along the lines of what you're talking about is is helping him to understand uh, the difference between how he and his wife are responding to the revelation of Mm -hmm. his secrets. Because he has lived with knowledge Mm -hmm. of all of those secrets. So to him, what might seem like, hey, I'm making some transitions, I'm finally going to make some changes... It doesn't seem as big of a shift. I mean, it's a big shift because obviously he's going from one paradigm of how he's chosen to live and filter life to hopefully seeking recovery and a whole nother paradigm. But sometimes he's overwhelmed and shocked by what you're talking about, this massive disorientation that happens to his wife. And I think trying to help him understand, you have two different knowledge bases here you've got the full history of knowledge of every single secret act you've ever done. She doesn't have any of that. She's getting that as like fresh information. And I do tell guys all the time, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I say, I do think that women have this, uh, not all women, but I mean, I think most women have a sense of intuition, like a sense of is something right or wrong? Is something yeah. positive or negative? And many women that many wives that we've dealt with, they've they had a sense like there's, there have been times where it seems like something's off or it seemed like I got a weird response from my husband when I asked him about something and it just didn't measure up. But over time, a lot of times the the sensitivity they have to that intuition gets dulled and numbed because of all the lies they've heard from their husband,
1: mm-hmm. right? To yeah, where she doesn't learn it. to not trust their intuition, their perceptions of reality.
0: Exactly. So there's so when that truth comes out, then there's the additional weight of not only the shock of it, but maybe do you also see that there's even a sense of. Um, guilt or shame that a woman feels like, I didn't, I stopped listening to my voice. I stopped listening to, do you think some wives carry that shame with them as well?
1: I think they do. I think they're embarrassed or they feel like they've let themselves down. And so part of good support is helping them remember the kinds of things they did do to try to protect themselves or to find out what was going on or to ask the questions. And that they couldn't know what someone else wasn't allowing them to know. Mm-hmm. But they, they did have some kind of perception, some kind of um, intuition. And so part of recovery or healing, let's use that word instead, mm-hmm. for a partner is really learning to trust themselves again. Um, but all that is going to take in terms of the relationship is the partner's going to be working on, I'm, I have to trust my gut, I have to trust my intuition, I have to relearn how to do that. Um, and it doesn't help if I only listen to what my loved one says, mm. but what I have to do now is start really observing and listening to what he does consistently over time.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. So you, you talk about these things that the, the, uh, offending spouse or the betraying spouse really needs to be doing in order mm-hmm. to help the, the betrayed partner, um, right. To 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 heal. And so one of the things that you mentioned is is just honesty. And that seems like, you know, such a basic thing, but but talk a little bit about what that looks like and and why is that so central and maybe how that's even difficult if a if a betraying spouse has been, you know, lying and deceiving themselves and others for so long that to just say be honest doesn't always just, you know, you don't just flip a switch and
1: right. They may have forgotten how to be mm-hmm. honest, because they've had to um, tell lies um, to themselves and to the people around them, even to God, um, to keep the addiction going or the secrets hidden. So yeah, it's a, it's a hard skill to relearn, to be honest. And there's a lot of fear probably around that. Well, if I'm honest then, and I say, yeah, I struggled today, then she's going to be mad again. And so, but it, it's going to be making that hard choice to be honest, not just to restore the relationship, but to be honest so that they're a person of integrity again.
0: Yeah. How do you help the, how do you help the partner? Yeah. How do you help? And we tell that to guys all the time. We, we say this, we say this to husbands and wives. We say the only person you're guaranteed to live the rest of your life with is you. So Mm -hmm. for, for the husband, for the one who's betrayed, we're like, this is far more about you building character of being honest than it is about whether anybody believes what you're saying. Right. Um, but but let's talk about the partner for a second, because okay, clearly we can understand that honesty is needed for her. Um, but how can she know if honesty is actually happening? Because I can imagine there's just every word that could possibly come out of his mouth is going to be second guessed, and probably rightfully so. So how do you coach and counsel the partner? to know when they're receiving an actual gift of honesty?
1: It's going to be when it, it is consistent and persistent over time. Mm-hmm. And so partners will say, well, how long will that take? And I, every situation is different in terms of when in you are you going to believe that at least his heart is going in the direction of wanting to be this person of integrity. Um, I don't think, I think most partners, part of healing is understanding, I now know that I'm in a relationship with someone that has the capacity to lie to me, Mm. but I am starting to believe that he does not want to be that person anymore. And so it starts with just watching behaviors, but then moves to what am I seeing that demonstrates his heart direction, his heart posture? Mm. So how consistent is he with being kind to other people as well as to me? Um, Consistent in his spiritual development, um, consistent with his recovery work. Um, And if someone is really doing good recovery work, not only will the partner see it, but other people that have relationship with this individual will see it. So the partner can also ask other people, what are you noticing? Because I know that I, I have some reasonable fear here so what are other people noticing in his life maybe having contact with some of the recovery support people or a sponsor even i know that sounds some people really don't like that idea, but having that external confirmation can help the partner as well.
0: And and I I totally agree with that. I mean I've I've definitely had some guys get uncomfortable around me when I say, "Hey, have, do you give are you willing to give your wife access to even the people that you're, yeah. you know, you're having sharpen you because, mm-hmm. and the thing is, Barbara, right? Once I heard it said one time, when you tell the truth, that's all you have to remember. Mm-hmm. So right. if a guy really is pursuing honesty, then there shouldn't be so much fear mm-hmm. about whether or not his wife like checks up on him through yeah. other people. Yeah. Um, I do know that also, though, because recovery and healing, that he, the journey is so often bumpy, that that's an aspect of the honesty that can be challenging for a man because he's thinking, if I stumble along the way, and I tell mm-hmm. guys, you will stumble along the way. You know, they're thinking, how do I navigate that? Because it's it's actually my failures in my that that brought me into this mess. And I try to help them see the difference. And I'd love to hear your point of view on this too, is that there's a vast difference between the stumblings you had at this point that you were willfully seeking to hide and the stumblings that you have walking in the light.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think those are fundamentally different in terms of how even a a hurting wife can respond to those. What would be your thoughts on that? The difference between stumbling in the dark and hiding versus stumbling in the light.
1: Yeah. I think that that makes all the difference. What most betrayed spouses are looking for is the honest person of integrity who is not perfect. They're not expecting that you're never going to stumble again. In fact, that makes no sense to them. Most partners, most betrayed partners will know, well, if my husband's been acting out this way for 10 years, he's probably not going to stop on a dime and never struggle again. That doesn't ring true to a spouse. So, but if, if the person who is in recovery opens up their heart and their lives to the people around them and is honest, that shows integrity. Hmm. And that's that's what feels safer. If I can truly know my spouse and know that he's a person of integrity, even when he messes up and owns it, then I I I, I know him. I don't know him if his heart is hidden.
0: Yeah. One of the other things that you said too that is a, a really powerful gift, and I think we've even heard it talking about honesty because I think they dovetail together, is developing humility. Mm-hmm. Can you can you give us what you would define as humility, and then maybe what that looks like as part of a a spouse seeking to help his partner in her own healing of the pain that he's caused mm-hmm. her? What does humility look like? What is it?
1: Well, for me, it looks like an open heart, um, who uh, is not about protecting himself all the time, but more about being present and being available, and being vulnerable. So humbleness looks like vulnerable, being a vulnerable person. So that's being open, honest, real, whatever words you want to use around that, and being willing, willing to put themselves second, or third, mm. rather than first. So it's a non-defensive posture. It's just that, yeah, I can be wrong. I'm probably wrong here. And, and so the, it's soft that's another descriptive word for humility is there's a a softness that comes across rather than a rigidity or a defensiveness.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think one of the ways that that gets, that might even be able to be noticed probably before even honesty, because again, Mm -hmm. words can be very, very cheap because of how they've been used in the past. But when you see the fundamental paradigm shift of a person who, listen, if they've been secretly building a, Sexually addictive life. um, They are a self-serving, self-seeking person. Mm -hmm. I mean, fundamentally, that's the paradigm that all of that is born out of. Yeah. So to then pursue humility, I think that could have the potential to be the most drastically obvious change that's Mm -hmm. happening when sacrifices is occurring, when when caring and actually following through on their word to do something for their spouse. Um, I think those things are huge and and important to um to that wife now how do you uh, how do you help wives navigate just this swirling of emotion that can happen in the midst of all of this where mm-hmm. she has a part of her that wants to believe the honesty and wants to connect with the the humility and yet at the same time has anger and fear and doubt and pain. How do you help a wife kind of navigate these things? And, and how does honesty, humility, and, and a husband seeking to understand her maybe help her navigate some of these emotions?
1: Well, let's start with just helping the, the partner, the betrayed partner, manage it. First of all, we just kind of normalize and validate that this is what it is. It's a mess. And so it's going to feel just emotionally messy. There'll be days where she'll feel strong and, and like she knows herself. And then other days where she's triggered really easy by reminders or intrusive thoughts, um, things that she heard or saw. And those will be hard days. So, so just normalize that that's going to be the healing process. It's very much like um, a sudden death of a loved one. This is a death. That's a death of what you thought you had and now you're waiting to see what you're going to have or what are your choices. And so we know that when there's a sudden traumatic death that there's just not a linear way of doing it. It's it's just messy. So we help them find ways of um, identifying what the emotions are, um, identifying what they need, like what would help me right now, and then be able to verbalize that to the people that care about them, such as their spouse, to Mm. say, when I'm a mess like this, what helps me is if you leave the room or what helps me is if you just sit next to me and don't touch me or what helps me when you do this or when I'm like this is if you put your hand on my shoulder and say, I am so sorry. I know that you are feeling this way because of what I've done. But to help the partner identify, you know, here, here's her options, her menu of options of things that might help her, and then she makes those requests. So the person who has done the betraying, if he is then in a humble posture and willing to take that role, that helps her because then she's going to have someone to help, help her manage the emotions or at least not feel alone and crazy in them but it also helps him because now he's doing something to to at least try to demonstrate that he wants to repair what he broke.
0: Yeah. And you know, what I think is great about that is that those requests, they're not only good for that wife, mm-hmm. they're actually helping that husband to emotionally mature. Yeah. Right. Cause these are probably not things that he would have just thought of on his own because what we find a lot of times in a, in a sexually addicted man is a stunted little boy inside emotionally mm-hmm. and so what you're what you're saying is the things that this wife needs are going to be good for her and good for him because <laughs> it's like yeah. it's going to it's going to be growing him up in some ways where before he was acting like a an immature child in terms of relationally right and now he's being invited into a space of growing up
1: mm-hmm. emotionally
0: to meet her needs in a way that are going to be Good for her.
1: Yeah. Now, one thing that comes up as is is we're talking about this is sometimes the betrayed partner will say, Well, I shouldn't have to teach him how to respond to me. Right. And she's right. She shouldn't. Right. And so, what we are really, and by we, I'm saying absets, it's just part of our training. What we're saying is for those that are providing support services for the person who's been the struggler, help them start to learn what it what it is to have empathy or connection and then help him come up with ideas on things that might be helpful. And then he can say, hey honey, would it help if I did this? Yeah. This is something we talked about in group. Would that be something that if I could do that, that would be helpful for you? And then he is initiating. And I can't tell you how important it is when there's betrayal for the person who did the betraying to take the initiative to do yes. in this.
0: Yeah. We teach that all the time yeah. because it's like, again, it gets back to that maybe kind of little boy mm-hmm. inside of this broken man. And right. so he's, he's entering recovery and he's thinking, good, I can get into this group and they'll kind of tell me what to do. And then I go see this counselor and they kind of tell me what to do. And so, well, wife, you you yeah, tell me tell what, me to, what do. to do. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 you, you need to learn to take initiative. So we, we, we encourage guys to do it in a very simple way. It's like, you take initiative for finding a group you initiate seeking a counselor you you know the very things that are good for your own health you take the initiative on that and then out of that initiative you'll start learning to then take initiative with your wife and i and don't you think though this is also a scary season for that couple because and i hear this from a lot of men and i'd love to hear what you would say to these husbands a lot of men will tell me listen i've i've lost like any right I have to just kind of, you know, speak into my wife's life or whatever. So they're confused about, well, what does taking initiative look like? Because I feel like I can't, you know, I've, I feel like I've abdicated any possibility of being able to kind of move toward her. Does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you say to those husbands to help them kind of get past whatever um, either delusion or fear that they're having yeah. in that thought?
1: And taking initiative is not stepping in and fixing it. Mm -hmm. Taking initiative is not looking around the house and saying, well, if I did all these chores, then she's going to be happy with me. And that's the little boy, right? Wanting to do nice things so that she's thinking about, Oh, look how nice he's being. But taking initiative is being willing to ask what would help you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's not about what is he going to do, but what would help her? And then, noticing how she's feeling, um, having some level of empathy for that feeling, you know, it makes sense to me that you're feeling like this.
2: Mm.
1: I understand that this has crushed you. I know I can't even begin to fully understand that, but I know that I have. And so acknowledging that, and then what would help you right now? What would you like for me to do?
0: That's really That's good. good That's good. Well, we only have a few minutes left, Barbara, but what I would love to do is first, I'd, I'd, I'd love to ask you to, as you're thinking about the couples that are out there right now, and maybe the couples that there has been um, some or maybe even full disclosure, and they're walking this path. Maybe what would be some words of encouragement that you would have for them, but then also the couples where maybe full disclosure has not happened yet. What would be your word of encouragement to them in order to step into this space? And then I'd love for you to share some resources that uh, we can point people to.
1: Okay. Um, I guess I'll start with a couple that has not had full disclosure. And I would say give yourself a gift. Find someone that can help you do that. Um, It's so essential, I believe, for building a new relationship. You're not going to rebuild the old one. But Mm -hmm. to build a new relationship, you have to have a solid foundation. And it's hard to have a solid foundation if there are gaping holes and things that your loved one doesn't know. So find someone, and there are a lot of trained people that can do that, and I'll give you that resource in just a little bit. But to give yourself a gift to do that. And if there's fear on the part of the betrayer about, well, if I tell her all of this, then she's going to leave, that doesn't tend to happen. What, it, what tends to happen is the betrayed the, the partner will say, okay, now I don't have to be anxious about what I didn't know anymore. So I can put that away. And so it, it releases her then to think about the future of the relationship. She can't do it when there's things she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So find yeah. someone to help you do that process. Um, for the people that have gone through that, and, and now they're just trudging through, what is our relationship going to look like? Um, the couples that are really successful decide that this is an opportunity for us to do our relationship all over again. What do we want it to look like? What's important to me? What's important to you? How do we navigate that? And you can do that with a, a really good counselor, support groups that really understand what it takes to heal in a relationship after this level of betrayal. Mm-hmm. But it is an opportunity. Um, to grow deeper, to have a stronger attachment in a relationship, to really invite God to fully be the, in the center of that relationship, probably in ways he wasn't before. And so the, the couples who really do well can say, my relationship is so much better now than that other relationship I used to have. Mm-hmm. So, but it is hard, it takes time. Um, partners wanna know how long does it take until my marriage is wonderful? Um, I, I don't think there's an answer to that because if you've been wounded this way, there's always going to be some scar in a relationship, but that can also be a place of tenderness that can bring the two together rather Mm. than apart. But you're looking a year, two years, three years, four years down the road. Yeah. We all want it really fast, but it it takes quite a while and hard.
0: Well, obviously, we've only scratched the surface here, but where can we send our listeners and viewers to get more information about you and any resources that, um, that you would want to send them to?
1: Okay. Well, if you're looking for a coach or a trained therapist to help you, especially the partner around partner trauma and recovery from that, healing from that, certainly I would send you to APSAT. So it's org. And um, there's a directory there of people that we have trained and that are well prepared to assist. And again, they're all over the United States and Canada. And if you're listening from another country, we have some there too. Um, so that would be one place um, my website is drbarbarasteffens.com. I currently am doing limited um, partner coaching. And then I recommend my book, of course, which is Your Sexually Addicted Spouse, How Partners Can Cope and Heal, and that yeah. was with Marcia Means, and you can get that in any online retailer.
0: Great, and we'll have all of those links and information in our show notes, but Barbara, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for just your, your wisdom and your willingness to share. Um, I know that it's going to bless a lot of uh, couples out there, and so thank you so much for your time today.
1: Oh, thanks, Jonathan. It was great.
0: Yeah. God bless you. Well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.